you guys. Welcome to Good Vibes Sunday. So every week I'm always faced with the decision of what am I going to talk about for Good Vibes Sunday this week? And so I'm always driven by what am I feeling in the moment and how can my experience help someone else? So here's the thing. I always try to keep it pretty light. I try to keep it kind of positive. But this week, I'm going to admit and have an honest moment where I'm going to say I've been in a funk. I've been in a funk for the past week and a half, and it's been due to social media. Now, I know you're like, well, wait a minute. You and Adam are always advocating how important it is, especially for business owners, to be on social media and to leverage those free marketing tools that are available to everybody. But you know what? There's always an upside and there's always a downside. So finding that sweet spot in the middle really is a key to balance. And I haven't been practicing that balance. I've been gravitating towards that downside and it's really been affecting me, my home and my mood. And so I'm going to elaborate further into this after you all listen in on an interview with Simon Sinek, where he talks about millennials. Yes, I'm a millennial and so is my husband. So if you're a millennial, you're really going to enjoy this interview. But he talks about how millennials and social media play directly a part into everyday stresses in the daily lives of everyone who is a millennial. And if you know a millennial, then you know this affects you too. So I will be timing in, back in, chiming in, back in um, after that interview. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, I hope you enjoy this interview with Simon Sinek. Uh, I have yet to give a speech or have a meeting where somebody doesn't ask me the millennial question. Um, What's the millennial question? Apparently, millennials as a generation, which is a group of people who were born approximately uh, 1984 and after, um, uh, are tough to manage. And they're accused of being entitled and narcissistic, self-interested, unfocused, lazy. But entitled is the big one. And, uh, and because they confound leadership so much, what's happening is leaders are asking the millennials, what do you want? And millennials are saying, we want to work in a place with purpose, love that. Um, we want to make an impact, you know, whatever that means. Um, uh, we want free food and bean bags. Uh, and so, Somebody articulates some sort of purpose, there's lots of free food and there's bean bags, and yet for some reason, they're still not happy. And that's because um, you, they're missing, there's, there's, a, there's a missing piece. Um, what I've learned is that there, I can break it down into four pieces, right? There are four, four things, four characteristics. One is parenting, the other one is uh, technology, the third is impatience, and the fourth is environment. The generation that we call the millennials, Too many of them grew up um, subject to, not my words, failed parenting strategies, you know? Where, for example, they were told that they were special all the time. They were told that they could have anything they want in life just because they want it, right? They were told, um, uh, some of them got into um, honors classes not because they deserved it, but because their parents complained. And some of them got A's not because they earned them, but because the teachers didn't want to deal with the parents. Some kids got 
participation medals. You got a medal for coming in last, right? Which the science we know is pretty clear, which is it devalues the medal and the reward for those who actually work hard. And that actually makes the person who comes in last feel embarrassed because they know they didn't deserve it. So it actually makes them feel worse, right? So you take this group of people and they graduate school and they get a job and they're thrust into, an, into the real world. And in an instant, they find out they're not special. Their moms can't get them a promotion. Um, that you get nothing for coming in last. And by the way, you can't just have it because you want it, right? And in an instant, their entire self-image is shattered. And so you have an entire generation that's growing up with lower self-esteem than previous generations. The other problem to compound it is we're growing up in a Facebook, Instagram world. In other words, we're good at putting filters on things. We're good at showing people that life is amazing even though I'm depressed, right? And so everybody sounds tough. And everybody sounds like they got it all figured out. And the reality is there's very little toughness and most people don't have it figured out. And so when the more senior people say, well, what should we do? They sound like this is what you got to do. And they have no clue. So you have an entire generation growing up with lower self-esteem than previous generations, right? Through no fault of their own, through no fault of their own, right? They were dealt a bad hand, right? Now let's add in technology. We know that engagement with social media and our cell phones releases a chemical called dopamine. That's why when you get a text, it feels good, right? So you know, we've all had it where you're feeling a little bit down or feeling a bit lonely. And so you send out 10 texts to 10 friends, you know, hi, 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 hi. Because <laughs> it feels good when you get a response, right? Right? It's why we count the likes. It's why we go back 10 times to see if, and if it's going, if our, my Instagram is growing slower, I, 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 did I do something wrong? Do they not like me anymore, right? The, the trauma for young kids to be unfriended, right? Because we know when you get it, you get a hit of dopamine, which feels good. It's why we like it. It's why we keep going back to it. Dopamine is the exact same chemical that makes us feel good when we smoke, when we drink, and when we gamble. In other words, it's highly, highly addictive, right? We have age restrictions on smoking, gambling, and uh, alcohol. And we have no age restrictions on social media and cell phones, which is the equivalent of opening up the liquor cabinet and saying to our teenagers, hey, by the way, this adolescence thing, if it gets you down. <laughs> but that's basically what's happening. That's basically what's happening, right? That's basically what happened. You have an entire generation that has access to an addictive, numbing chemical called dopamine through social media and cell phones as they're going through the high stress of adolescence. Why is this important? Almost every alcoholic, discovered alcohol when they were teenagers. When we're very, very young, the only approval we need is the approval of our parents. And as we go through adolescence, we make this transition where we now need the approval of our peers. Very frustrating for our parents, very important for us. It allows us to acculturate outside of our immediate families into the broader tribe, right? It's a highly, highly stressful and anxious period of our lives, and we're supposed to learn to rely on our friends. Some people, quite by accident, discover alcohol and numbing effects of dopamine to help them cope with the stresses and anxieties of adolescence. Unfortunately, that becomes hardwired in their brains, and for the rest of their lives, when they suffer significant stress, they will not turn to a person, they will turn to the bottle. Social stress, financial stress, career stress, that's pretty much the primary reasons why an alcoholic drinks, right? What's happening is because we're allowing unfettered access to these dopamine-producing devices and media, Basically, it's becoming hardwired, and what we're seeing is as they grow older, they, too many kids don't know how to form deep, meaningful relationships. Their words, not mine. They will admit that many of their friendships are superficial. They will admit that their friends, that they don't 
count on their friends. They don't rely on their friends. They have fun with their friends, but they also know that their friends will cancel on them if something better comes along. Deep, meaningful relationships are not there because they never practice the skill set, and worse, they don't have the coping mechanisms to deal with stress. So when significant stress starts to show up in their lives, they're not turning to a person. They're turning to a device. They're turning to social media. They're turning to these things which offer temporary relief. We know the science is clear. We know that people who spend more time on Facebook suffer higher rates of depression than people who spend less time on Facebook. Right? These things balanced. Alcohol is not bad. Too much alcohol is bad. Gambling is fun. Too much gambling is dangerous. Right? There's nothing wrong with social media and cell phones. It's the imbalance. Right? If you're sitting at dinner with your friends and you're texting somebody who's not there, that's a problem. That's an addiction. If you're sitting in a meeting with people you're supposed to be listening to and speaking, and you put your phone on the table, face up or face down, I don't care, that sends a subconscious message to the room that you're not just you're just not that important to me right now, right? That's what happens. And the fact that you cannot put it away is because you are addicted, right? If you wake up and you check your phone before you say good morning to your girlfriend, boyfriend, or spouse, you have an addiction. And like all addiction, in time it'll destroy relationships. It'll cost time, and it'll cost money, and it'll make your life worse. Right? So you have a generation growing up with lower self-esteem that doesn't have the coping mechanisms to deal with stress. Right? Now you add in the sense of impatience. Right? They've grown up in a world of instant gratification. You want to buy something? You go on Amazon. It arrives the next day. You want to watch a movie? Log on and watch a movie. You don't check movie times. You want to watch a TV show? Binge. You don't even have to wait week to week to week. Right? I know people who skip seasons just so they can binge at the end of the season, right? Instant gratification. You want to go on a date? You don't even have to learn how to be like, hey. <laughs> you don't even have to learn and practice that skill. You don't have to be the uncomfortable one who says yes when you mean no and says no when you mean no and yes when you. You don't have to swipe right. Bang! I'm a stud. Right? You don't have to learn. The social coping mechanisms, right? Everything you want, you can have instantaneously. Everything you want, instant gratification. Except job satisfaction and strength of relationships. There ain't no app for that. They are slow, meandering, uncomfortable, messy processes. And so I keep meeting these wonderful, fantastic, idealistic, hardworking, smart kids. They've just graduated school. They're in their entry-level job. I sit down with them and I go, "How's it going?" They go. I think I'm gonna quit. I'm like, why? They're like, I'm not making an impact. I'm like, you've been here eight months. <laughs> you know? It's as if they're standing at the foot of a mountain, and they have this abstract concept called impact that they want to have in the world, which is the summit. What they don't see is the mountain. I don't care if you go up the mountain quickly or slowly, but there's still a mountain. And so, what this young generation needs to learn is patience. That some things that really, really matter. Like love, or job fulfillment, joy, love of life, self-confidence, a skill set—any of these things, all of these things take time. Sometimes you can expedite pieces of it, but the overall journey is arduous and long and difficult. And if you don't ask for help and learn that skill set, you will fall off the mountain, or you will—the worst-case scenario, the worst-case scenario—and we're already seeing. The worst case scenario is we're seeing an increase in suicide rates. We're seeing an increase in this generation. We're seeing an increase in accidental deaths due to drug overdoses. We're seeing more and more kids drop out of school or take leaves of absence due to depression. Unheard of. These are all. This is this is really bad. 
the best case scenario, the best, those are all bad cases, right? The best case scenario is you'll have an entire population growing up and going through life and just never really finding joy. They'll never really find deep, deep fulfillment in work or in life. They'll just, just waft through life and it'll be just, it's fine. How, how, how's your job? It's fine. The same as yesterday. How's your relationship? It's fine. Like that's, that's the best case scenario. Which leads me to the, the fourth point, which is environment. Which is we're taking this amazing group of young, fantastic kids who are just dealt a bad hand. It's no fault of their own. And we put them in corporate environments that care more about the numbers than they do about the kids. They care more about the short-term gains than the long-term life of this young human being. We care more about the year than the lifetime, right? And so we are putting them in corporate environments that aren't helping them build their confidence, that aren't helping them learn the skills of cooperation, that aren't helping them overcome the challenges of a digital world and finding more balance, that isn't helping them overcome the need to have instant gratification and teach them the joys and impact and the fulfillment you get from working hard over on something for a long time that cannot be done in a month or even in a year. And so we're thrusting to them, them in corporate environments and the worst part about it is they think it's them. They blame themselves. They, can, they think it's them who can't deal. And so it makes it all worse. It's not. I'm here to tell them it's not them. It's the corporations. It's the corporate environments. It's the total lack of good leadership in our world today that is making them feel the way they do. They were dealt a bad hand and, it's, and I hate to say it, but it's the company's responsibility. Sucks to be you, like we have no choice, right? This is what we got and I wish that society and their parents did a better job, they didn't. So we're, gonna, we're getting them in our companies and we now have to pick up the slack. We have to work extra hard to figure out the ways that we build their confidence. We have to work extra hard to find ways to teach them social, the social skills that they're missing out on. There should be no cell phones in conference rooms. None. Zero. And I don't mean the kind of like sitting outside waiting to text. I mean like when you're sitting and waiting for a meeting to start, nobody go, this is what we all do. We all sit here and wait for the meeting to start. Meeting starting? Okay. And we start the meeting. No. That's not how relationships are formed. Remember we talked about it's the little things? Relationships are formed this way. We're waiting for a meeting to start and we go, how's your dad? I heard he was in the hospital. Oh, he's really good. Thanks for asking. He's actually at home now. Oh, I'm really glad. It was really amazing. I know. It was really scary for us. That's how you form relationships. Hey, did you ever get that report done? Oh, my God. No, I didn't. I'll help you out. I totally I'll, can I help you out with that. Really? That's how trust forms. Trust doesn't form at an event, in a day. Even bad times don't form trust immediately. It's the slow, steady consistency. And we have to create mechanisms where we allow for those little innocuous interactions to happen. But when we allow cell phones in conference rooms, we just, okay, have the meeting. And then my favorite is like when there's a cell phone there and you go like this, you go. <laughs> it rings and you go. I'm not gonna answer that. Like, Mr. Magnanimous, you know? <laughs> when you're out for dinner with your friends, like uh, I, I do this with my friends. When we're going out for dinner and we're leaving together, we'll leave our cell phones at home. Who are we calling? Maybe one of us will bring a phone in case we need to call an Uber or take a picture of our meal. That's what I was saying, come on. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm an idealist, but I'm not insane. You know? <laughs> heathen. I mean, it looked really good. Um, we'll take one phone. 
And so it's like an alcoholic. The reason you take the alcohol out of the house is because we cannot trust our willpower. We're just not strong enough. But when you remove the temptation, it actually makes it a lot easier. And so when you just say, don't check your phone, people literally will go like this. And somebody will go to the bathroom, and what's the first thing we do? Because <laughs> I wouldn't want to look around the restaurant for a minute and a half, you know? But if you don't have the phone, you just kind of enjoy the world. And that's where ideas happen. The constant, constant, constant engagement is not where you have innovation and ideas. Ideas happen when our minds wander and we go, and you see something, oh, I bet they could do that. That's called innovation, right? But we're taking away all those little moments, right? You should not, and none of us, none of us should charge our phones by our beds. We should be charging our phones in the living rooms, right? Remove the temptation. You wake up in the middle of the night because you can't sleep, you won't check your phone, which makes it worse. But if it's in the living room, it's relaxed, it's fine. I, I, uh, but it's my alarm clock. Buy an alarm clock. <laughs> it costs eight dollars. Right? I'll, I'll buy you an alarm. Right? But the point is, the point is, is we now in industry, whether we like it or not, we don't get a choice. We now have a responsibility to make up the shortfall and to help this amazing, idealistic, fantastic generation build their confidence, learn patience, learn the social skills. Find a better balance between life and technology, because, quite frankly, it's it's the right thing to do. All right, you guys. So I am back, and what you all just listened to was Simon Sinek, um, and he referred a lot to corporate. So I want to take that whole idea of social media, cell phones, technology, just playing a role, not so much on corporate, but transforming that into my home. And I want to kind of elaborate on how that has affected my home and why I've been in a funk. So like you already know, if you've been tuning in for some time, that Adam and I are huge about being on social media. We're both on it. We're pretty active and we use it purely for the purpose of marketing our business. Um, and so here's the thing, Adam in particular, more so than myself has the tendency of being at the dinner table or being at breakfast. Yes, I'm throwing my husband under the bus. Um, but he knows us and, you know, we've talked about it multiple times, but it really has caught up to us and he's on his phone all the time. And I feel like, I feel like he's not present And, you know, I am guilty myself of doing the same thing, but it's been more so him. And when I take the phone away and I'll say, babe, give me your phone. If we're talking or whatever it is, um, he plays around and he's like, no, you know, he makes these, these voices and, you know, he's joking and kind of rips the phone away or whatever it is like, no, no, no. But the truth is, is that, you know, he is addicted and I'm addicted too, but like we have to both work together on being present for each other and for our son. So, you know, what I always say this is that when it comes to marketing and when it comes to our business, it has to be a job. So why I say this is because I feel like we've been taking social media more personal than we have more of a job. You know what I'm saying? So we've been using it more as a personal and kind of letting it kind of mesh in with our job part of it all. And if that doesn't make any sense, then I, I don't know how else to put it, but I feel like we really have been blending it way too much. And I think we should remove that personal aspect of it because it has been affecting our lives and it has been affecting our household. So 
the biggest thing right now is for me is that the way that Simon, he, he compared it to a corporate environment, you know, saying that if you're in a meeting or whatever it is and your phone is, you know, just always texting or your phone's constantly on the table, um, then that's not a way to promote engagement, to promote relationship growth. And I feel like with our family and having our phones constantly around us, constantly playing a part, um, I remember, you know, it's funny because this just happened yesterday, but I walked away for, Adam and I were like in a deep conversation and I walked away for a second just to go grab him and myself a water and he grabbed his phone. I heard him chuckling because he's always on barstool and he's watching these funny videos and he's just like laughing and then I come back and then he puts his phone down right away. And I reminded him like, look, look at what you're doing right now. Like I couldn't even walk away for a second. You're instantly like, like, like twitching for your phone. And I think that's when it really dawned on him that, you know what? I am addicted. Like this is a problem because we're no longer just reaching for the phone for marketing purposes. We're actually constantly checking our phone. I mean, if it's the first thing we do in the morning, uh, we've always promoted and marketed like don't grab your phone first thing in the morning because you give up your sovereignty, right? So that's not something that we've turned away from, but for the most part, you know, it's really not the first thing to do, but it's definitely right within that first hour. And I think that the solution for us is to completely remove our phone. And I'll touch on that in a second, but first I want to talk about not just how it's affected, um, you know, our home and our relationship, but also how it's affected me personally and my mood. And the way that it's affected my mood has been that, okay, so when I first started or when Adam and I first started Leone, we were very clear and very laser focused on the, you know, sacrifices that we're going to have to make. We were very laser focused on the summit of it all. We knew what our purpose was. We knew the intention behind why we started Leone. And we also knew that it would be a process and, somewhere, somehow in between the last week or two weeks, um, I've lost track of that. Um, but I want to say that beyond the two weeks, you know, reaching further back, I think that it's kind of led up to it. So, and the reason why I think is because I've been really, again, on social media, more so gawking, I want to say. And, you know, it sounds like a bad word, but it's like, I've been on there subconsciously looking at other designers, at other contractors, at other real estate agents, at other, you know, constantly feeding my mind all these images and highlights of these people's lives and careers that, you know, one of the biggest quotes for me is never compare your beginning to someone else's middle. So never compare your beginning to someone else's middle. And I find myself doing that. I find myself like, wait, why aren't we further along? Why aren't we, you know, doing more? Um, why are we not having more projects or having more content or, you know, all this stuff that comes with comparison? And as much as I want to say that I promote and I, and I constantly talk about not comparing yourself and not looking at the other guy, subconsciously, I'm doing it right because i'm 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 putting myself in situations and i'm at completely at fault by taking my phone every day and constantly being on other ones and other people's feeds so why am i saying that this is affecting me is because of course i'm comparing 
right? So I'm comparing, it's, it's putting so much pressure on myself and I have this summit, Adam and I both have this, this summit of what our goals are, where we want to be and what that comparison does, what that comparing does is that it wants to speed up the process. It wants me to feel like, why am I not going fast enough? You know, why am I not uh, good enough? Why am I not doing this? Why am I not doing that? Why are, you know, constantly looking at other people's highlights and it's putting the pressure on me of why isn't our business moving faster? And the way that Simon says about corporate jobs or about just life in general, and I, and I highly believe this, is that there's the summit and then there's the bottom and then there's the mountain, right? So somewhere in the middle, there's always a mountain. There's always a process. Everything good in life takes time. You know, it takes time to fall in love. It takes time to, to grow and be a great person and to grow strong. You know, you don't go to the gym and right away see results the next day. You know, you don't go to the gym, work out one day or for nine hours and then, and then come back and see results. No, you work out 20 minutes a day for, you know, consistently for, for months and then you see results. So, I guess where I'm going with this is that it's really been affecting me to be constantly on social media and to be constantly soaking up everyone's highlights. And I think that the biggest problem with that is that, you know, it's affecting me on my mood level. It's affecting me emotionally and it's really starting to affect me um, in my business. So I've been becoming very focused on the end result and why I'm not getting it sooner versus what I can do now, what can I control now, and how much more can I work so that I get to that end result and it's going to take time and accepting that, right? So yeah, it's tough. Um, I've been in a funk and so is Adam. (laughs) Um, But you know what? I think that we've come up with this game plan of coming up with a solution that's really going to get us back into that mode that we used to be in because I always question, I'm like, why was I more clear back when we first started? We had more problems then. We had less time then. We had less money. You know, we had, uh, I had just gone through a, a death of a very special person, my, my mother figure. Um, it was fairly fresh. Adam had just gotten out of baseball. I mean, there was a lot more on our plate then than there is now. Now, sure, we have more responsibilities. There's a lot more riding on the line, but. The problem is, is that back then we were so laser focused, we were so clear on everything is because we weren't looking, we weren't on social media looking at other people's highlights. We weren't constantly looking. We were so focused on how can we build ourselves? How are we going to, you know, take something and make something out of nothing? We were so focused on that, that we didn't look to anything else. There was no time. We weren't even mentally in that space, right? We were so focused on building. Um, and that is when I was the most creative, you know, it's that white space. I always say you have to find that white space in that time of the day where you're just with yourself, with your thoughts, where you're reading, you're soaking in, um, all the positive, uh, just knowledge or whatever it is that makes you feel, uh, good and creative. And you have that white space, for me, a lot of times it's working out and thank goodness Adam and I have just started working out again after almost two years for him and a year or two years for me. Um, and so we've gotten back into that rhythm. We're, we're juicing. We're doing a lot of good stuff for ourselves. But what I'm finding is that I've been feeling really off because of social media. 
So I think that the biggest thing is finding that balance. Um, going back to what was our intention when we first started Leonie? What did we intend? We intended to uh, you know, provide services, to provide great services to clients, to be able to grow a business, to help find people um, homes, you know, and to be able through all of that, to be able to grow and to be able to give back to our community, to our causes, um, donate to charities. And that really has been what's behind it. Um, and so I feel like we're losing track of that. I feel like I've been steering away from that intention of why we started Leonie and I've been focused on maybe other people's intentions, maybe why other people are growing their business, which has nothing to do with why I want to grow mine, but yet there I am staring at theirs. It makes no sense. So I'm so glad that I've um, been in this funk. I feel like our bodies, our minds, our souls are constantly telling us where and why we need to redirect our, uh, our focus. So that's been it for me this week. And, uh, the, the solution for that is, is to, um, is to remove our phones from our bedrooms in the morning. So in the mornings, I don't even want to see my phone. Like I'm going to charge my phone in the living room. And so is Adam. And we're going to wake up. We're going to drink a big glass of water. We're going to say, I love you. We're going to meditate. We're going to pray. And we're not going to touch our phones first thing in the morning. We're going to write down two goals for ourselves for our personal goals. So this could be, you know, running an errand. It could be whatever it is. It's two personal goals for the day. And then the the next thing we do is write two professional goals. It could be two to three. We're going to start off with two and then we'll work our way up to three. But um, the reason that I say two or three max is because, so this would be six in total, but um, two or three max for each one of personal and for professional is because Adam and I have a tendency as well of overwhelming ourselves. And I feel like there's a limitation on our minds. There's a limitation on how many great decisions we can make in a day. And it always starts from the very moment you wake up to about half the day. You ever notice that you're like bright and ready to go in the morning? Maybe not if you're a morning person, but like around 10 o'clock, you're like bright and ready. And then by the time like two or three creeps up, you're just losing it. So I always say is like try to get those goals in, those, those goals for your day in right before you start to crash. Um, because your decision making is not going to be good and it's not going to be at its peak by that three o'clock time, four o'clock or whatever it is. Um, it is for me personally anyway. So for us, writing two things in the morning um, that are personal and then two things that are professional is really gonna, is gonna get us on the right track for the day. Cause you know, I'll tell you why. It's cause we're taking charge of our life. You know, that first hour of the day is so important to start off the rest of the day. If you don't take control in that first hour, you're going to have the worst day possible. There's no way that everything can carry positive forward when you're waking up, grabbing your phone and looking at other people's highlights of their day. You know, when you're constantly looking and gawking and comparing, there's no way you can have a good day. So if you take control at least of that first hour of your day, if you drink a glass of water, take care of yourself, do what you have to do, and then get to it, you know, after you've, you've taken care of your family, you've taken care of yourself, if you can do that, you can definitely conquer the day for sure. So that's going to be number one. So removing the phones from our bedroom, charging them elsewhere um, in the home, buying an alarm clock, like he, like Simon uh, said, he goes, they're eight bucks, five bucks. Um, so we're definitely going to be doing that, not giving up our sovereignty first thing in the morning. And um, 
And another thing is, is that we're not going to have them at the dinner tables or, you know, for breakfast or no more phones at the table. That's a big deal. I think that it's important for us to set a, a really good example for our son. And as much as we love our job, we love what we do. It definitely doesn't require us having a phone at the table. That time needs to be set away for our family and for interactions and for growth and conversations and asking Arian, how was your day? What can you do to make your day better? Or, you know, just anything that entails being a parent. And I feel like we have been disconnected and it's really put me in a funk and I feel so off. And and I, I really believe that, um, not just having the phone around, but being on social media and, and constantly looking at other designers or other contractors, other real estate agents has really put me in a place where it's taken me away from who I am. You know, I, I know I'm a creative person and I know that the best creativity comes from when I'm not influenced from other people's ideals, right? Other people's highlights. It all comes from here. I have it. I know I do. So, you know, just steering away from that, getting back to my center and, uh, and just focusing and trusting the process. I think, you know, not looking straight up at that summit and wanting it faster. No, no, no really focusing on the process and understanding that everything in time will come. And, uh, and that's where I want to leave it. I, I think that we're, we're really on our way. And, um, and I think for the next week, I'm going to be disconnecting uh, from social media and I'm going to be rebuilding the website, our blog. So also, just so you know, um, if you are going to be checking in, we're going to be under construction in this next week. So our good vibes will still be up and uh, available for you to, to tune in. So I'm going to wrap this up. I'm going to leave you with that thought. And uh, I hope you all had a wonderful Sunday and you have a better week to come. Bye, guys.